joining the ESPC Podcast Network, where always our podcasts are business meeting. Every single business meeting has to have a purpose and an outcome. And the purpose is always to be authentic, frank, uh, real. We keep it real. And the outcome has been that from you know the sports betting, we got 500% ROI. We gave you the winners through the three triple crown racing. But when we talk about motivation, we give you actionable steps from people who have been successful in business, practical, actionable steps that you can use right now, today, tonight, to make money in real time. So after you listen to the podcast, watch the live stream, you're going to have something tangible that you can take that's real to put money in your pocket after the podcast. And we love the feedback and we love that it's growing. We love that we're getting more downloads this week than we got the the last uh, last three years, uh, knock on wood, right? Every single review has been five stars because people are in alignment with keeping it real in the richest country in the whole wide world. Uh, we had the the summit with Putin, right? We got a hundred trillion dollars in the American economy. By comparison, Russia is one point seven trillion. So our economy is a hundred times more than what uh, Biden called, right? The great country of Russia with a long tradition. And along those lines, if you're the toughest, smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. And man, from Motivation Mondays to the last two podcasts we have, the people keep downloading. Uh, I was sick for one week and I think I only had like one podcast and people keep, just kept downloading all the podcasts, especially the ones with successful, independent, uh, wealthy entrepreneur, John Hansen, who's a lot tougher and a lot smarter than I am. And man, I get a lot of energy and a lot of great insight, actionable insight, right? I keep telling myself, I keep repeating that one motivational message, John. Yeah, there's always another meal coming, right? This $100 trillion economy, there's always another meal. And if we're not making money and successful, you got to look at yourself in the mirror because it's you. It is uh, you that's going on there because we're very blessed to be where we are. Thank you, John, for being on again. Man, very excited to hear the message today. Well, every time we have a conversation, Josh, I come away, I think, just as fired up as you do because uh, it, the, the conversation we have, you talk about actionable things. It, rather than everybody knows what the problems are, everybody right. knows the roadblocks, everybody knows the challenges. Uh, what's so refreshing about a, a real positive attitude is it, it acknowledges those are there because it would be foolish to say they don't exist. Right. But instead of continually staring at the hurdle or the roadblock, it's so how are we going to get around this? Uh, Teddy Roosevelt had that over, around, uh, over, through, but never around. You <laughs> how to get, uh, how to conquer that obstacle on these nature walks he'd take with his boys. That was the rule. Right. Over, uh, through, but never around. Over, under, through, never around. Uh, that was the rule. So in business, uh, a positive attitude is not rose-colored glasses or rainbows and unicorns or everything's great all the time. It's acknowledging the challenges and how are we going to beat the challenges? How are we going to overcome these? So right. actual ideas are the best way to do that. The more you, of those you have, the more you can try and the ones... One, multiple ones are going to work. So the more ideas you've got coming your way, the better chance you have of succeeding. 
Right. And one way uh, to trust yourself, because, uh, you know, my last Motivation Monday, what I talked about was something I see a lot. And I see a lot of some people conquering it, some people are not. But it really stems from the fact that as kids, we're lied to, right? We're told that you can put your mind to anything, right? And you can do it, right? It's 100% lie. You can't, you cannot do that, right? It's not true. However, right? Sometimes the opposite of philosophers said the opposite of every truth is all truth through. If you think you can do something and you're putting yourself in action, right? Uh, one strategy that works for me a lot and has made me a lot of money is, right, the kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. So if you think you can do it, most likely you'll be able to do it. But break it down to the most common denominator and be clear on how you provide value. And for us, value, for me anyways, is an equation. Psychological factors divided by functional factors divided by time and money, right? So in my restaurant, I made a lot of money keeping my menu simple. Uh, chicken and yellow rice was really good, really popular. So I made it simple and I kept the cost down while keeping the quality up. And instead of putting 10 things on the menu, when I had 10 things, I made more money when I only had four things on the menu. And then uh, the phrase that made me a lot of money, and I'll put a link to uh, the review of the restaurant, was real Cuban food made by real Cubans. Because two blocks down the road, these two Mexican gentlemen from the cartel opened up a Cuban restaurant. And people kept coming and saying, hey, you... The vibe, the food is more authentic here than two blocks down the road. I'm like, yeah, because that's two Mexican guys. So I came up with real Cuban food uh, provided by real Cubans. Very clear, simple message that made me a lot of money and blew up the restaurant. And after this, we'll talk about branding. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, the, I so I don't uh, uh, insult anybody I talk to. I use the KISS acronym, but I say keep it simple and succinct. <laughs> right. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I don't want to tick somebody off that might actually pay right. me a lot of money. But using it for myself, yeah, keep it simple, stupid. Because the simpler I keep it, the easier it is for someone to take with them. There's a book I'm, I'm about oh one third of the way through called "Made to Stick" by Dan and Cheap Heath. Cheap right. And their idea is one of the points is it's got to be simple enough where it will stick in people's minds. So if you can't, and that's why these elevator pitches are so important, but not so simple or so important that it's like a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Everybody likes it. There's lots of it available and all different kinds of brands. You don't really stand out. So simplicity is important. Yes. But the clarity part is a little bit different than simplicity. Simple is short enough. Right. Five, six words, but conveying the solution that you actually provide, not what you do, not features and benefits. You can't right. convince that in the six or seven words and stand out. What you really want to be addressing in your clarity is what solution do you provide for them? And it's got to be put in their viewpoint. So when you share something that's five, six, seven words, it needs to be as if you were standing in their shoes, how it would benefit you. Now, you're putting yourself in their world. So if it's HVAC, if something is you know ordinary as that, well, 
will keep you comfortable. And I can't, can't think of anything in the summer that's more important to somebody than being comfortable, especially when you need it the most and it's like 90 degrees outside. Right. As an HVAC company, that's what you provide. That's your solution. There's no, lots it, it, yeah, and there's a lot to that, right? Because comfort to a lady could be, oh, it's not an 800-pound guy with, you know, overly tight clothes. It looks like he just got out of jail with a neck tattoo, you know, putting in my, H, my HVAC, right? It's comfortable. But I think before that, right, before you get that clarity of message is trusting your value of what you think you can do for your business. I'll give you an example. I was in McDonald's. Maybe this might have been like 30 years ago. And I was watching a baby crying. And the mom pulls out, she was in front of me, like pulls out a $20 bill to pay for the food. And this is a baby. Couldn't have been more than eight or nine months old the baby sees the money stops crying laughs up starts laughing and stops reaching out towards the money <laughs> and i said to myself for the last nine months this baby has been watching how money is important to people <laughs> how money is something really important right at nine months so now you're 25 and you've been watching what provide so you are an expert on what value is and what you provide so while you can't put everything you have your money to this idea you have after 25 years of noticing value you know what you can do and you can go out and do that and you can blow up in the richest country in the world and be a multimillionaire. then to that step the best you know real cuban food my real cubans that used to be the message in the email. And from then on, before I knew what I was doing, before then on, I never sent anybody an email more than nine words. Flash forward 30 years, I hear Joe Polish and Gene Jackson, I love marketing, big marketing guys, they work for Elon Musk. They say, never write an email that's more than nine words because it, it's clarity. In one of the best branding restaurants I've ever seen, to your point that you just made, right? was this place called Tasty Burger. <laughs> and they sent out an email. And it, it incredibly successful restaurant. They would send out an email because I said, oh, I got to meet these people, study it out. And also, that's the other thing. Don't be fearful of talking to people. Uh, you, you'll get rejected really only two out of 10 times. But go ahead, talk to people. People love to talk about themselves and they love to talk about their business idea. Lo and behold... The, the main guy, the main owner, independently wealthy guy, smart guy, he wasn't overly friendly, but he gave you business people might not be overly friendly, but they'll give you actionable real steps to make money. That's what they substitute it. They substitute, uh, you know, kindness and, uh, you know, uh, personality for giving you stuff you can use to put money in your pocket. And he was like, I sent out an email and in the subject line, it says tasty burger. You open up the email and have the address and phone number. And yes, we do catering. That's it. <laughs> and that's a great brand. So people see a McDonald's commercial, whether they used to see in my restaurant, or they see something else, they think of Tasty Burger. They see a Wendy's commercial, they're like, oh, uh, let's go to uh, Tasty Burger. Oh, let's go to Wendy's. No, 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 let's go to Tasty Burger. And that's it. You said it in a simple brand, how you provide value. Yeah. Yeah. And your company name, uh, right. that can, if you haven't figured out, 
you're in the process of figuring out what your company name could be. Don't get gimmicky, but do have something that's that if the title of your company communicates what you do, you've already eliminated one step. The communication, the key to it is that they understand what you mean and what you do all, without having to work for it. Exactly. So building your title. So when I came to this company and I realized that accelerated revenue was the parent company, I thought in, in two words, I've already described how I'm going to help a business when I consult with them. I'm going to accelerate their revenue. Right. I'm do it through strong partnerships and brilliant solutions. Right. Six words, and I, six words, and I've conveyed to them what we do and how we do it. Right. And then, if they want more details than that, well, that's what your website's for. And that's right. what the system's for. That's where they have coffee with you. That's where you can go into the details. But uh, so, if yours is, um, it doesn't communicate that. And in the service industry. Uh, not trades, but in the service industry, in business generically, you've got all these company names that are one words, two words, and I have no idea what they do. So while it's a, a people that are getting going, you have an advantage over the brands who are already established that if they were to change their name, well, it, it'd be a nightmare. They're probably publicly traded. They've right. got so many levels of management. So if you're an LLC, a standalone, an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, small team, small business, you can change that stuff and just do a DBA and keep the keep the parent company for taxing and filing and all that. But if you could figure out what communicates so it's easy when people come across you to know what you do without any effort on your own, you've already eliminated one barrier, one friction point for them to do business with you. Right. And it it and that gets to so you say, all right, so how do I come up with a simple name that branded that triggers people to call my, my phone or come get me? So for me, Real Cuban food provided by Real Cubans. And then I went to uh, targeting because once you, and there's a lot of information online and use your own information, use your own, you and I have an advantage that we've had a lot of clients throughout the years. You put up a spreadsheet, right? You do an Excel spreadsheet and you kind of, Take yourself out of the whole emotional series of events that gets you to one person. Sometimes one of my biggest clients, most money I've ever made, there's very little chance that how that business came out to be, it could be replicated. <laughs> However, once you look at the spreadsheet and you look at the commonalities of people, right? You can then reverse engineer and that's how I came up with business concierge, because once I got with wealthy individuals, people net worth 30 million and up, they got business concierge, while most people others don't. So right. somebody with net worth 30 million or wealthy people look at business concierge and they say, okay, he's the quarterback. He gets the forensic accountant, gets the attorney. Uh, he does the financial stuff that that's his wheelhouse. And if something's over his head, he knows a guy, he's in LA, who does everything, he takes care of everything, I give him money, I go skiing in the Alps, right? That's what, the guy loves skiing in the Alps, that's what he does, he's like, hey, I don't want to do or think about it, I got a huge inheritance, I've been around lawyers and people my whole life, I don't want to do that anymore, Josh, you do it. So they, they know what a concierge is, and they're like, business, boom. That is what Josh is. That is what Josh does for 
me. But you kind of reverse engineer and, and you got to be real specific, right? Yes. Into how it is that name. So real food provided by real Cuban food provided by real Cubans. So my whole life and business career living in California has been built on being very simple and very specific, right? It's people who want authenticity in general, right? We started the podcast. People want things that are really authentic, real, they can use. So they know they come to this place, they're getting real Cuban food, real authentic Cuban food, almost from Cuban, by a Cuban. <laughs> and they're getting the real stuff. So that's very, very clear, very specific into what the message is. And really, you cannot spare the details and what your ideal client is and how, uh, you know, because it, it gets back to education, right? Um, Maslow, you know, hierarchy of needs. Um, Foucault, the 16 personality types. And you see uh, the disc profile, right? The disc profile you have, and let me know your thoughts on this. Right, Cause I'll write it up real quick. This profile, and I've been using this a lot lately. And my wife just became the head regional manager of a psychotherapy clinic. And as she starts in, this has been helping her out a lot. When she comes home and debriefs for me for an hour, she gets all this free business concierge stuff. <laughs> but it's the wife. Uh, S-I, right? This will become apparent. You got dominant personalities, right? They want short, quick messages. They're dominant. They know everything. They have a lot of money. They make decisions. They're decision powers. Never write these people an email more than nine words. You have influencers. They want to listen to the whole story. They want to sit and have coffee, know your whole life story for four hours. They're influencers, right? And then you have submissives, right? And you have C's, which is for uh, compliance. So compliance are attorneys, uh, accountants, right? They want to know what the law is. And then submissives, whatever you tell them, right? 25% of the population, whatever you tell them, they'll take it. They don't want to listen to anything. Um, it used to be called slaves in the 40s, but they changed it, right? It helped it out. I make the most money with the Ds. So if you're not a D, you're not my client. You have a ton of money and you make decisions really fast. They looked at me and they don't want to be wrong. They don't want their decisions to be wrong. And they have a lot of money, right? And power that if they make a wrong decisions, they make the wrong decisions right. So once you're in, it provides stability because A, they have money and B, they don't want to be wrong and you're there for a reason, right? But you talk yourself out of most sales than what you talk your way into. So with these people, don't say it. Hey, you can tell right now I'm an extrovert and like talking, like exploring stuff. But then you were like, well, Josh is introverted. Josh doesn't talk that much because, right? What are your thoughts on that? John, I can tell because I needed it in my own life just a few years ago. I can tell when I talk to someone if they have clarity or not, because if I ask them, who is your ideal client? Who is your ideal prospect? And if they can't narrow it down for me and they say everybody, anybody, that's just not possible. It's a lie because even Amazon can't serve everyone and anyone. They can't. It's not logistically possible. And then when you talk about those those uh, 
four basic subsets, the disc theory, 75% or more aren't a good fit. So who, what is your 25%? Who is a good fit? If you haven't identified who your ideal prospect and client is, it's like having a, having a magnet that's so weak, it doesn't, nothing sticks to it. The stronger, the, what attracts people and keeps people with you is you've identified, here's who my ideal prospect and client are. And this is how I'm going to serve them. This is how I'm going to focus on attracting them to me. Because if you've got a, a, a magnet that's trying to attract any and every kind of metal all around it, it's going to be so weak, it's ineffective. So as a person, no matter what size company, what role you have, the more clear you have of who your ideal client prospect is, and this can be for people that are that are team members, management, whatever, internally. Like, say you don't do anything with sales. If this still works for you. Who is an ideal internal client that you right. need building relationships with, and you need to make sure that within the company walls, these people I build a relationship with where I know their, their kids' names, right? right? You don't need to know the names of every single person in, in the entire organization, the bigger it is, it's impossible anyways. It's a waste of brain space. Figure out who your ideal prospects are internally and externally, and then focus on those. I guarantee if you do that, that kind of clarity and building relationships, not only is it refreshing for, for the other person, because there's somebody who's genuinely interested in them, but it will help you get farther in your career, farther in your sales, farther in your marketing, because you'll start having this attraction. I used to think that was a bunch of hooey, some sort of yoga, mystical, right. I don't think that anymore. I believe there's absolutely the more clear you are on what you're after and what you provide and how you help others and relationships that are important to you and the ideal prospects and partners and team members, that attracts that kind because of how you talk, what you're looking for, your messaging, all of that makes it that much more attractive, especially, we talked about this before we went live, especially if it's authentic. If you're acting to, in order to attract, it doesn't work. It, it won't stick. People think, right. oh, this is, and, and then when they get close enough to know you, it's like, oh, that's, that's not what I thought it was. So you have to be authentic. You've got to be yourself. You know, so wherever you hit on those four areas, often what happens is the opposites attract. So if you are best suited to help a D, you're right. more going to be across the spectrum in the C side of things than you are a D. D's right. just heads. They're not good working together. So you're more like, and, and the same with someone who's uh, uh, submissive or emotive, very emotional. They're not going to get along with these at all. No. They're going to work well with an influencer, that the stories are so important to them. So by identifying what your personality type is, you can still be authentic and still figure out your own personality type is going to be the toughest, believe it or not, or depending on what the polar opposite is, that's where you may find the greatest inroads with somebody who is an opposite to you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because dominance need eyes, which are influencers, right? Because the extroverted people uh, are the ones that have the information. They're the ones who people confide in, give secrets to, find out what's going on. These need to have an eye in the office or in the business to find, have the ear to the ground. Find out what is going on. And to your point about team members, uh, I've boiled down because I thought, and let me know your thoughts on this. As far as clarity and branding, huge problem, people not being clear. And it's, it's a probably worldwide 
but in the United States, huge problem that in my orbit, I found not a simple solution, right? It took me simple now, but it took me 25 years to get to this point. Yeah, it doesn't come day one. You're right. <laughs> right. And I've been using it for a while. And then my wife was like, hey, I'm hiring people. I said, okay, just use one question. Other than the clinical stuff, you know, you're, you're schizoaffective with this and that. All right, that's the therapy world. But I said, for her, what's important is teamwork, right? Having a team yes. works together. Yes. Just ask one question. And my wife sometimes is skeptical or this and that, but she came and asked for me for help. And I know she's a dominant personality. So now that she's asking for help from me, that's when it's go time. Other than that, stay quiet. But now it's go time. And it, was, it gave her a simple answer, right? You ask. And this is the only question I ask now when people are like, John, take over the HR. I'm bad at it. The one selfish guy who has $30 million liquid and was treating his employees badly and it was wondering why people are leaving and I need <laughs> these people. Oh, so dominant personality. So now you come for me to help because you need people because your top chemist went to your competitor. Now you need people, da, da, da. So the one question I ask, and that's it. It's very, very quick interview. I ask one question, other than the technical stuff. So Anna can ask, you know, schizoaffective. This guy can ask about mixing chemicals, stuff like that. Then I don't know. But the HR question, just one question. Because, again, we go back to people not trusting themselves. From nine months, you know what money is, and you're laughing now. You start crying. You see the money come out. You're laughing. You're grabbing it at nine. So from now, now you're 30. You have probably 11,000 days of education what value is with money so trust your what you internalize trust your experience education and i asked one question let me know your thoughts on this because it's funny how this evolved and it's always better to be lucky than good you ask what have you and it doesn't matter if the person just got out of high school just got out of college or has been working 10 years you say listen describe a time Tell me one time you did something for the team that succeeded, right? Because everybody has, not everybody, but a lot of people have great ideas. We go back to the ideas and trusting the ideas. But only maybe 20% can actually execute the idea. So this is a multi-level question. Tell me a time in your career, in your life, in high school, college, your working career, you did something for the team that was successful. Describe that success. Describe purpose and outcome. Describe the outcomes, right? Where you knew from the beginning you were not going to get the credit and you didn't get the credit. Tell me one time that happened. And if the person can't do it, they're done. Or if the person, um, because my wife has come along with this where uh, clients have where the person's lying. <laughs> you can tell right from the beginning, they're making it all up. They're done. But the person they can really come up with an example and a true and they're genuine, boom, that's your team player. That's it. And you're, you already know the technical stuff. They want to be on a team. So I tell this to my wife. And then Tyrion in Games of Thrones says, this is the question you ask when you pretend <laughs> that exact question. <laughs> What have you done for the team that was successful that you knew there was no way you were going to get the credit? Yeah. 
That's a great question because if you're hiring for someone that's um, for a team, you've got people that are that are great at performing for themselves, lone wolves, where they 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 achieve tremendously. But the odds are they're not going to stay with you long. There'll always be someone else that offer them more, and they'll go that way because they're not they're not fully bought into you. They're just this is the next best thing in front of me. Right. You've got others that are just looking to punch a clock. They've got others that are so intelligent, they know how to craft their answers and their resumes so that you're more likely to hire them than someone else, kind of like a keyword concept. Right. But then if you've got somebody that is truly about the team and they still did what was best for the team, knowing very likely they're not going to get recognition for it, then that reflects exactly what you're talking about of someone that you need on your team. Because if you're the leader and you need someone that you can rely on, it's not gonna be a lone wolf. It's not gonna be somebody that's always looking for direction. Uh, it's gonna be somebody that has done what needed to get done, whether it got the recognition or not. And because they identified, they took initiative, they saw this is what our right. team, they weren't exactly. They didn't do it for the accolades. They did it because it needed to be done. Business. That, great team member yes right yeah right and uh some say well i did get the credit but blah 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 that's good too <laughs> yeah <that's a> bonus. <laughs> yeah because they're, they're understanding and they, and they want to get the credit in this business and it's actually a good business to have an idea and get paid for it because <laughs> that's, that's rare that's the bills. it's rare josh that that happens so if you have someone that won't do things unless they're recognized then you can tell that their internal motivation isn't there Right. Want to do something that needs to be done and whether they know they're going to get credit for it or not that doesn't matter they right. see it to be done they're given the green light to do it and i've always been this way uh for people that are looking leaders who are looking for a check the box person just come in punch the clock there's lots of roles like that but if you're looking for someone that's that's a key part of your team you got a small team and who you add is really important right department and you're in a big company the people you, you don't want to just add anybody to the team. You want to add something that's going to be a good fit. That's a great question to ask because they'll understand that this person is internally motivated, not externally, and that they're going to see beyond their job description of what needs to be done. So certain uh, people in senior leadership, ownership, they're threatened by people that come in and work outside the box, the color outside the lines. To right. them, to stay in your lane, just do what we hired you for. If you're the other kind of leader that's looking for people that are going to contribute far more than what their job title is, that's a great question to ask because you're going to see people who are self-motivated, take initiative, and are looking with fresh eyes at the whole thing, not just the job description I got hired for. They're not clock punchers. They are there to make a difference. And if that's the kind of leader you are and those are the people you're looking for, a question like that will find out whether they are what you're looking for or if they're not. And back to clarity, right? Clarity starts with yourself. You know, having very, very clear how is it really that you provide value? I think, I don't think, I've proven to myself that I'm a brilliant finance guy. That, you know, my back against the wall, uh, every day for 365 days a year, I read about taxes. And I read about you know, people talk about tax mitigation. People get mad at Amazon for not paying any taxes or Bezos or whatever. They're not doing anything illegal. You might not agree with it or whatever, but it's not illegal. And I love profit and making money. 
right? But the clients that are making me the most income right now, they're playing defense. They don't need to play offense. They're already a bank within themselves. They have, they don't have to work anymore. They have money. So I have to play defense, which is boring, right? Yeah. So, so it's not, it's a platinum rule, right? It's not, it's what the client wants, not what you want. So you have to be clear within yourself. So if you want a family atmosphere, to your point, I want a family atmosphere. When you ask that question, because sometimes I've heard, right? You have to listen. Instead of you're, you're, you're in any trial and you're interviewing someone or somebody's interviewed someone, don't think about what you're going to say or what, but listen, kind of make your mind blank and listen for clarity and specificity. So if someone, you want a family atmosphere and someone answers that question and says, no, well, in my professional life, I haven't had this, but, you know, I do this for my family. Right. So you connect the dots. You can say, I'm going to be clear that whoever talks about their family, I'm going to bring him here because I want a family atmosphere. <laughs> and, and I think that comes into to clarity, being really clear. Do you really want a family atmosphere or do you want somebody who's dispatch, dispassionate, but focused on the job, which might be good? You know your business, right? You're there every day. I don't. But what I do know is that you have to be if we live in a crazy world with crazy pandemics and people who your best client who makes you the most money might have chosen you for a complete irrational reason. And the client that should have right. brought you on will reject you for a completely irrational reason. So therefore, for your mental sanity and profit, you need to be crystal clear and really detailed to the most minute detail on everything. Yeah. Yeah. And your call to actions are going to be that much crisper if you have clarity as well. Because you're, I, I finished a, a book last week that said that in order for people to get out of what they're comfortable in, you've got to uh, create a pain or a disconnect or a gap that they're either too comfortable to care about or aren't even aware of you need to stir them up enough whether it's a pain or a discomfort or a disappointment or a surprise that then you can then move them to a call to action that says here's the next step you need to take because if someone is too comfortable if someone doesn't see it as a problem like you said even though you can see that they need what you have you're not going to be able to convince them to take the next step or if you do it's like pulling teeth they grudgingly agree to, to work with you right. and the result you're going to get with them and the review you're going to get after is nothing like someone that emotionally is awakened to what you said, this is what you need. And I can provide it for you. They're like, Oh, I hadn't thought of that. And then you stir them to action. They take action. They may not be the person that you thought at first, but because you were clear because right. you communicated that and because they responded to that, you're going to get farther with someone like that. Than you are with someone who's an ideal prospect that you've identified. You talked about the platinum rule, right? The golden rule is do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. The platinum rule is do unto others as they would have done unto them. Exactly. So if you we speak the same them, language. <laughs> if you could put yourself in their shoes uh, and, and uh, the D personality has the hardest time doing this. They really right. do. So submissives, it's interesting. The S 
category, the, the emotes or what other um, personality tests call them, are the ones that are so innately empathetic. Right. So say you're, you're listening to this podcast, you're like, but I, I, I'm not, you know, this demonstrative, this dominant personality. That's okay. The platinum rule works really well for you because you can automatically put yourself in somebody else's shoes. You can read their body language. You can listen to their words. You can gauge whether they're bought in, interested or not, because you're so strongly empathetic. Dominance, they have a really hard time with that. Because to them, it's like, well, of course, I'm the best idea in the world. Why wouldn't you go with me? You should go with me. And they might beat that horse until it's long past dead and keep trying. Right. Whereas the, the, the ones who are more emotive, they're going to pick up on that and then move on to someone else faster. So while it seems like, no, they give up too easy, I think the, there are strengths to every one of those four quadrants. By you identifying clearly who you are first and then using that to determine who's a great prospect for you while still keeping an eye on how are they responding? What's their buy-in? Are they taking any kind of action steps? When I meet with someone for the first time, I give them a little bit of homework. Like if they want something from me, if they're interested in, and say they want to work with me in something, I give them just a little bit of homework. And then I wait and see if they get back with me. If they don't get back with me at all and I have to follow up with them or it's another event and then we run into each other and they ask me again, I'm like, oh, so, and I bring up the little bit of homework that I gave them, like a book I read or an article I saw or somebody I right. think I talked to. If they haven't done any of that, then it's not worth my time. So th those are some little things you can do to determine buy-in. Do they take the next little step? Uh, depending on how complex your product or service is, it's not likely that someone's just going to sit down and write you a check the instant right. they hear about it. So what's kind of the next best step they can take with you? And certain personalities are going to be able to read that better, but it all still boils down to clarity, Josh. How clear no, are you? Clear, and I've had people say, hey, I'm going to wire you 20 grand. And it's because it's funny. I've been clear with the person Right. Again, one of those where you just look at the spreadsheet of how I made the most money, the friend of a friend. Right. When you have a champion that you've been really clear with and they are a fan, a promoter. Right. And we'll close with these two things. Right. Uh, individually and in, in, individualism. Right. And branding. Mm. Individual and branding. And to your point you just made right now. It's like, you know, when you kind of mind melt, you, you, you kind of finish each other's sentences, you finish out exactly what the platinum rule is, and, and you finish off this point. Uh, number one, seeking approval from another person is the worst thing you can do. So yep. when, oh, I can, I can provide you this. I never say that because it sounds needy, especially to my, uh, you know, the people that I want to wire me 20 grand. It sounds needy. I just say what the value is. And let them finish off. And they and they're like, hey, I'm wearing you. This is dominant personality. They're not influencers. Hi, Josh. How's it going? How's your day? Da, da, da. This guy's like, uh, um, send me over the contract and I'm wearing you 20 grand. And it's gonna be 20 grand and $20 for the wire fee. Boom, right? I didn't say, oh, I can do this, I can do so. Big life lesson for me. The more you seek another person's approval, the less you seek it. So I'm getting wired 20 grand because I didn't say, oh, I can do this for, I can provide the value. And I can do, obviously like you do it because you're toxic. You don't need to, dominant personality, they hate over talking. So you just say, duh, and let it go. 
the less you seek another person's approval, the more you get it, right? It's almost like in dating, right? <laughs> it's the same thing, same psychology. In another great book I wrote, and it's two things, right? When you talk about individuality and branding and how that makes you money, you look at Frank Sinatra, right? I did that motivational Monday and the person wrote Frank Sinatra lyrics. What is a man? What does he got? If not himself, then he has not, right? And I was talking to a guy that we've been doing business together for 12 years. And he's like, Josh, you're in, uh, you're an English major, William Shakespeare, right? To thy own self be true, be true right? So common sense, common sense, it's information you do not need a college degree for, specialized knowledge for. Now, John and I read a lot of books and we're always seeking knowledge and we like seeing the world through a different lens and get that excitement of actionable information you did not know for all these 30 years and now you're using it, right? Things that you took 15 years to learn and know, hey, I really guessed it. Forgiveness took me 30 years to know. And my own dad was the expert in forgiveness, you know? He forgave guys to put them in a Cuban concentration camp. So I should have known forgiveness. That's what I was raised by. But I didn't really, it took me like 30 years. So common sense is information you can use without a specialized degree. You just know it innately. And in the United States of America, the richest country in the world, you have millions of people who become independently wealthy without a college degree or any specialized knowledge. So you think about a William Shakespeare, you think about a Frank Sinatra, just that song will make you a lot of money, right? Not the words of one who kneels, right? The record shows I took the blows, but I did it my way because Doing it your way, your individualistic way will make you money. Now, Chinese culture, right? They're a group thing, right? America's individualism, John Wayne, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell. These are all individuals who make a lot of money with their individualist brain. So I mentioned those names. Certain things are branded in your brain. You're the same way. Now, by listening to this podcast, you can craft that for having somebody to come into your place called Tasty Burger, a real Cuban food made by real Cubans. This is the exact trigger. One of the best books I read was the guy who really invented the disc, and it's called The Lie Detector by, and I'd like to know your thoughts after I describe this guy, William Moulton Marston, the creator of Wonder Woman, right? And Wonder Woman came out during the pandemic, made a lot of money. He was married to four different women, and they four had the the disc profile. There were each one was that. He had real insight. So when you read this book, about twenty five percent of it stuff that's outdated and completely wrong. But you learn how he did come up with this, right? And he actually did work for the government and so on. This highly successful guy, but it really talks about being having your own brand, being. Because everybody knows that. Everybody knows that they have to have their own brand. Everybody has to have their own mini media. It doesn't matter if you're a housewife making no, no money. Uh, you're, you, you're just a person who wants to work in a company. You can make a lot of money just working for a company and not being an entrepreneur and an individual. We like to be entrepreneurs out in front. But you can make a lot of money at uh, XYZ company, at Tesla, 
at whatever. It used to be Xerox, IBM, whatever. You can go into a company and make really good money and be successful just being a cog in the wheel at a company. But even if you're that person, if you're an introvert, it doesn't matter who you are. The pandemic has taught us that. You still need human confidence. And you want to document your life. Everybody has a book in them. So you document your life on Instagram. You document your life on Facebook. You connect to family, friends, whatever. Everybody has to have their own little media company, their own brand. But how is it that you do it, right? And, you know, John will tell you right now. So what do you think? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Jeff Bezos said that the brand, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Right. So many companies have a problem in brand disconnect. Right. They think their brand is one thing because it's their slogan, because they have a lot of sales. But if you actually got the feedback and did something with it, then you would find out what your brand actually is. For individuals, this is even more important because it not only is it uh, important for your career and for your goals, for what you want to achieve in life, but it's actually totally fixable. Where the larger the company gets, whatever your brand actually is, that's a lot harder to change. So first of all, you've got to be honest with you. what I recommend for someone for personal branding. You need to ask somebody who's a truth teller, like a D-type personality that has no skin in the game, right. that, has, that will tell you flat out, this is your brand. Because right. if what you think your brand is and what it actually is to someone who's telling you, because not because they're trying to gain favor, not because they're trying to make you feel better, not because they want to make sure they check the boxes, right? But someone who's especially a D-type truth teller, no skin in the game, degree of separation, and they say, this is your brand. Well, if it's not what you think it is, or it's not what you want it to be, you can change that as long as it's authentic with who you are. So if you've got blind spots there, you've got to eliminate those as much as possible. We all have them. But if there's glaring ones that are really messing up the brand you want to have and you can achieve, because you can also ask that truth teller, you can say, can I achieve this? This is the brand I want to have. Can I achieve it? I'll bet you they'll tell you yes or no. If they tell you no, you talked right at the beginning of the show, right? That we're told as kids that anything you think of, you can do it. Okay, right. let's put a little bit of salt on this one. And <laughs> you can make a billion dollars selling horse-drawn carriages in New York City. Matter of fact, you could make as much, you could make more money if you sold Amish buggies in Manhattan. Right. Okay. As, as long as you want to think that and be positive about that, you're not going to do that. Okay, so you've got to have a truth teller that's going to that's been there, done that, has the experience and the wisdom and has no skin in the game. That's going to tell you, John, you can't do that. You can sell it. Absolutely. But you're not going to make a fortune. Right. If you have this idea, you've got to go. And if you think you've got the greatest Amish buggy, then you need to go Lancaster County in Pennsylvania. And you need to sell that puppy there because I guarantee you, if you've got something that's better than the competition, you absolutely can make a fortune. You're just in the wrong market. You've got to have a truth teller like that for branding. The other thing you said was about individualization. I call it differentiation. Right. To be an individual doesn't mean you got to go lone wolf and be off on your own. What it means is that you need to be distinct. You need to be different. After all, there is nobody else. There never has been. There never will be. There will never, ever be another Josh Abner. Never. In the history never. of mankind, there's only going to be one. There could be somebody with the same name but they are never going to be exactly the same as you. So what is powerfully, historically unique about you? Life experiences, skills and abilities, relationships, goals, achievements, all that. 
So somebody listening right now, and you're thinking, I, I, don't, I don't have a brand, number one, and I don't really stand out. There's nothing special or unique about me. That is bull hockey. It is right. not true because there has never, ever been. I don't care if your name is John Smith or, or, or Susie Thomas. I don't care if you've got the most boring name. It's not about names. Right. There is something so highly unique about you. Right. Because you will never find another exact duplicate of you. Right. Find out what is uniquely powerful about you. What is uniquely different about you. And I don't care if you do a nine to five at a big corporate company, you're a mom and pop, stay at home mom. I, I don't care what you do, nonprofit, for profit, doesn't matter. You are so highly incredible, incredibly unique. Your brand is so unique. There is not a single other brand exactly like you. That's your differentiator. And as soon as you figure out that, Whatever you've experienced in life, how you were raised, things that went wrong, things that went right, all that is the recipe that is becoming, and this is the best part, your recipe isn't finished yet. You're so uniquely different and you're still going. Your story is still going that it's not been finished yet. So until well, it this is, is the thing to, and this is gold for you and I, right? Somebody who's been in business 25, 30 years, two mm -hmm. things to your point. We'll close with this, getting yeah. your answer to this. As a British lit major, Jane Austen. Yeah. Jane Austen lived with her sister in a house. They didn't get out much. They lived in the country. But somehow Jane Austen, without even living in the house because she was sick, came out with a series of books that has a 200-year shelf life, and they made movies about it, Pride and Prejudice. You know, all the kinds of movies have been made about Jane Austen's books, and Jane Austen never left the house. So if you left the house, gone to middle school, got to high school, got to college, now have a job. Whoever you are, you have a ton more life experience and a ton more, as boring as you say you are, as boring as you say you are, you have a hundred times more data, information to work with, to be individualistic than Jane Austen had, living yes. in a country house in the mid-1850s, or lower, actually the late 1820s, and her books came out later, you have a ton of more information to work with that did, she did, one of the greatest authors of all time. And then that deep personality, I think for me, the best deep personality to give you success has been my Excel spreadsheet, where I look back and I looked at uh, all my sales mm -hmm. and I figured out uh, one of my clients net worth 20 million, right? What is he? A psychotherapist. What's my wife? Psychotherapist. So who are you really attracted, right? And are you in denial, like the 500 days of summer, the affair, where you have your biases and you think things through a certain lens, but reality for good, it's good sometimes to spend in the police because you might've seen something horrible in war and you want to block it out of your mind. So it's, it's good to live in that kind of fantasy world. But in business, you want to consist in reality, who are you attracting? And I noticed that out of my 20 clients made me the most money over a 20-year period, 80% of them were interracial marriages. My wife is white. Hmm. So you give me a list of 20 people in interracial marriages where the wife is white and the person's another race, I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to make a lot of sales. Hmm. I'll talk about that, about being specific. If you're in the visualistic brain and who you are, right? And it's not necessarily unique because you're 25% out of 400 million people. There's 400 million people in the U.S. 
Yeah. Right? So if you're 25% of somebody involved, so you give me a list of interracial marriages and I come up with the packages that I can provide value with, boom, I'm making a lot of money. But it's different for other people. It could be people from the country. My pillow, perfect example. He has his people, right? So my pillow guy has his people and he is a billionaire. Most of us just have to get 7 million. We don't have to be a billionaire like my pillow, but you can 100% look at who your list is, who you attracted in high school, college, mm-hmm. where you're attracting now organically. That's another big part with, with ties into being clear and individualistic and looking at reality because that is a cell spreadsheet with the facts, something you can prove to be true with video, with documentation. This is what it is, what really happened then you reverse engineer and you make a lot of money. What are your thoughts? Clarity exercise. I, I'm telling you, uh, a friend of mine did this. He did it for a mentor. His mentor said, let's let's set aside a day. Um, now this is a mentor, not a coach. Right. Coach you pay, mentor is paying it forward. Somebody, he's, someone did it in his life. He's doing the same. And they took a day. They had this room that they set aside. It had a whiteboard along the whole length of it. And he wrote down what this guy was good at, the experiences that he had, skills and abilities. And this guy was trying to figure out, okay, so what's the next major move? I don't want to just keep hopping at my point in my career where I want to be laser focused on what's next. What do I pursue full bore? And this guy did it for him. But I can't speak enough to the difference it made in my life when I had a business mentor. I, if there's somebody that, that it even works best, if it's someone that's recommended to you that you don't know, that's not in your immediate circle, but someone you know and trust refers you. Somebody's a sounding board, fresh eyes, fresh ears that says, uh, let me give you, let's set aside at least half a day. It's going to take you that long at least. But by the time you're done with that brainstorming session on you, focused on you, right. you have such clarity that I think what people will find is if they're they're kind of groping for what's next. They're, I've done a lot of things. I've enjoyed a lot of things, uh, but they really can't get clarity. You really should spend some time with somebody, either a mentor or a coach, that's going to invest time into you. And they're going to be able to objectively lay out all this, and you'll start to see some patterns emerge. And when you do that, think in your mind, these two things, what do I enjoy the most and what brings me the most revenue? If you can combine those two and trim out, transfer, trash stuff that doesn't fit that, you will find that that's the track to the revenue and the life you're after, if you can do that. But often it takes the help of someone who's not, it's like you watch your kid grow up day after day after day, and you don't see how they change. But a relative that the last time I saw them was 10 years ago, smokes. it's night and day to them. To you, it's like, yeah, they've gotten bigger. (laughs) No, (laughs) somebody that's that's not in your day to day. Right. You get there because I guarantee you that kind of just half a day, one full day devoted to you, you'll get such clarity out of that. And if you ask yourself, what do I enjoy? What makes me the most money? Combine those two. Find a way to get there as soon as possible if you can't get there right now so that you can transfer off, you can trim off, you can trash stuff that's just distraction so you can get to where you want to go. Right now, and, and we live in the richest country in the history of the world where you have the luxury you can have the time that you can do that. And the last thing I'll add, I'll let you respond and I'll close, is that person, right? You want them to be objective, but if they have a bias that comes up, 
ask yourself or ask the person, why did you come up with that bias? And, and the answer is that you're not being clear enough of what it is your messaging is and what specific is terrific, what specific about you is, regardless of anything else. You're sending out the wrong message that you don't want, or it could be the right message. You just have to evaluate. Yes. Yeah. It, at, at the end, the, the part about communication is they're only going to be able to pick up from what they're picking up. So it's, it's up to us of what we're communicating. So if there's not clarity, it's not because their ears are clogged with wax. It's because it didn't come out clearly enough from our mouth in the first place. That's the only thing that we can change. Now, if you've communicated so many different ways and it still keeps coming up with the same answer, then there could be a disconnect in our mind of what we wanted the result to be. And that's not the result. So you do have to be genuinely honest with yourself, where if you keep saying it in different kinds of ways, and that person with a degree of separation, no skin in the game, keeps coming up with the same answer, right. you may need to rethink. Yeah, so after you've restated it so many different ways, making sure you're clear, making sure that don't be that person that beats their head against the wall thinking, no, no, no that, that can't be. Well, let's try this. Or no, 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 let's, let's try this. If you're being as clear as you know how, and it's still coming up with the same answer, then it means you're not content with the answer, which might mean you need to go back to the drawing board of what um, you're wanting for yourself that might not be the best fit. 100%, 100%. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your service. And, and, I, and I kind of give a twist on service because uh, people sometimes look at it as some sort of philanthropy or something that you're being selfless. But I'm gonna uh, talk about the money-making, the free cash flow, selfish way to look at service because mm -hmm. you always get, it's one of the great multipliers, one of the greatest business ideas ever. It is the fact that you get a lot more than what you give. Mm -hmm. So like Winston Churchill said, you make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network, another terrific motivational business tangible making podcast with John Hanson. Shit in the world. That's why I'm worth the juice.